Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Step Beyond. This is a podcast about transformation through leadership. On our show, we have conversations with people who are creating change in business, in their community, and in their lives by choosing to lead. This is about daring to overcome barriers, push past limitations, and reshape our present and our future. Today, we're talking to Puneet Singh. And Puneet is a senior manager in KPMG's operation advisory practice. For over 10 years, Puneet has led and supported transformational initiatives, helping senior leaders solve problems within their businesses. So we're going to be talking about difference as a strength. And, you know, if I reflect on what this means for me, I grew up with an exotic sounding name. I was, you know, raised in Calgary, Alberta, and I really remember feeling like this total outsider and how that was a really bad thing. You know, both my parents were immigrants. They came from a marriage that was a non-traditional pairing. So I just felt like I had the spotlight on me ever since I was a kid and that that was a bad thing. Really luckily, I was able to find skateboarding and then I was able to find punk rock. And those things helped make me recognize that my differences were actually strengths. But not everybody has that advantage. So people have to figure it out for themselves. And Puneet is a great example of someone who came in and really said, hey, I feel different, but you know what? I can make this work for me. So this is going to be a great, great conversation. And before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsors, SE Electronics. They're a great company who have hooked us up with some microphones that are awesome. So thank you so much. And we really appreciate you. And if you haven't yet, then please rate, review, and subscribe to One Step Beyond. So let's get to the episode. I'm your host, Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. All right, everyone, welcome to the episode. Today we are here with Puneet and we are going to be discussing difference as a strength. Now, like I said in the intro, this is what I believe to be one of the most important conversations that we could have right now. I'd like to think as North American society is moving forward through the very important changes that are happening within our society about how people are accepted for who they are, that we can move off of this idea that everyone's supposed to be the same. You know, like people who come to this country or people who have different perspectives or different ways of being, that we all are supposed to become this homogenous, like there's this way of doing it in North America. You know, like these are not useful ways of thinking. And in fact, I think that we miss out on the real strength, both in the workplace and also in society, that we could be approaching if we had more of a recognition of how powerful and important and wonderful difference is. So Difference as a strength uh, is something that I'm always excited to talk about. This is going to be one of many times we'll probably hit this topic. And who better to start it with than someone that I have ultimate respect for and I've just adored my time with, Puneet. Welcome to the show. Hey, Aram. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, This is great great to uh, reconnect with you. Um, And also, thanks for the opportunity. I'm a follower of the podcast and then I've heard some great guests on the show and always walk away. with uh, nuggets of wisdom to reflect on. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. So 
difference is a strength. You know, one of the things that uh, you and I have both talked about in our time together is like we both grew up in Calgary, right? And we know that experience of growing up somewhere and feeling disconnected from the people and the culture around you. So as an example, you know, like I'm a Caucasian guy. However, my name is Aram Arslanian and, you know, both my parents are immigrants. And so I grew up with a lot of experience of feeling on the outside and alone and different and spent a lot of my youth trying to fit in and even actually a lot of my adult life trying to fit in and not wanting to be different. You know, when you and I connected and got to know each other over the years, we, we bonded on that. And of course, you have a different experience that I believe is, you know, obviously equally as relevant, but, but is also much different because from a visual perspective, I'd fit in with the, you know, the general population of Calgary, where you had, of course, a different experience coming from uh, being a person of color. So tell us about difference as a strength. Sure. Uh, so maybe I'll start off with um, a little bit about myself and a little bit of my background. And I think although we met in Calgary, I'd spent um, some of my years in Calgary, but I actually grew up in India. And uh, similar to uh, many immigrant stories, you know, I came to Canada to pursue post-secondary education and decided to stay back and then start a career here. Um, and then sort of 15 years in, now I live in Toronto, having lived in Calgary, having lived in Windsor, uh, different parts of the country, um, you know, decided to settle down in Toronto with my wonderful wife and now, you know, um, a, a three-month-old daughter that we just welcomed. Mm. Differences as a strength, for me, it's a notion that you can either see your own differences or differences in others as a weakness or as a strength. These differences can be how we think, physical appearance, how we dress, how we speak, etc., etc. And I think a lot of people's default isn't always seeing differences as a strength. And for the longest time, that was the case with me as well. For me, moving to Canada in my teens, there were a lot of things that were unfamiliar to me. You know, moving to a new country, the food, pop culture speak, the slang, um, it felt a bit uncomfortable at first. And I just kept in my lane. You know, I hung out with kids uh, from a similar background, interna international students. Uh, moreover, I wore a turban, so visibly I looked very different. And for the longest time, I held on to this belief that I need to blend in because, you know, that was the path to be accepted easily by other people who look different than me. So when we're experiencing like difference, like really profound difference, I remember the first time someone made fun of my father's uh, nationality. And uh, it was shocking as a kid because I I was born in Montreal and I lived there until I was five. And then when I moved to Calgary, uh, it was the first time, you know, and you're little kids, but you're the first time I'd ever been like, oh, there's something different about us. Cause, you know, Montreal is quite uh, multicultural and Calgary, at least at that time, was less so. And the deep sense of like, oh no, I'm different that I felt when I was a little kid. But then as, you know, you get older, you start recognizing that there are actually like really serious challenges that are involved for people of color, for people from different ethnicities. These are real challenges and barriers that can hold us back or tell us that we don't belong to things. And so, again, I, I, I want to think of your experience growing up, uh, you know, in, in Calgary from when you were 18 on. What barriers did you experience? What challenges did you experience? And how did they 
change and become different as you entered into the work world? I think early on, it was mostly just not being able to put myself out there fully in the most authentic form. Um, I was more worried about how how I would be perceived by others who look different than me rather than nurturing my curiosity about the new place or the new people I was surrounded by. Uh, I think an ex- sort of experience comes to mind where um, I'm, I'm on the university campus and um, this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm staying back over the Christmas break and I remember coming back from the cafeteria and I remember locking myself out of the room and there's no staff at the university and I had to call the campus police to let me in. And the, the police officer comes in, asks me for my ID, and, you know, as he's asking for my ID, he checks, he, he looks at my ID, and I'm wearing my turban, and, you know, and the ID, while I was wearing a bandana, he makes a comment, and he said, wow, you look very traditional here, and you look very modern now. Whoa. And, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't make much of it uh, back then, but it, it left a deep effect on me on how I viewed myself. And um, in the moment, I think thinking back, it probably took away uh, that maybe if I did wear my turban or if I didn't embrace my individuality, it would be easier for me to fit in or people wouldn't perceive me as conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first, that was sort of the first experience and how that impacted me. And obviously over the years that has changed as I have come to learn more about the Canadian society, the accepting values, and I think more so also personally become more confident about myself and I've become a bit more mature. I think entering the professional world was a bit different. Um, um, I had, I found people to be much more accepting of my individuality, um, or at least it appeared so, which then created the space for me to be more comfortable and I could focus on what I had to say and who I was rather than how I was perceived. Yeah, and uh, thank you for sharing that. It's it's a really interesting dynamic for people who were like born and raised within North America. I think it's incredibly important for us to hear what it's like for people who come from different cultures and the experiences they have. Like that, that comment that I'm sure to that, that campus police seems just like, they would never even remember they said that. What kind of profound impact that can have on, on someone. And, you know, it's, it's not that I want people to be sitting around and like microanalyze everything they say, but actually, to a degree, yes, kind of. Like, not, you know, I don't want people to feel anxious about communication, but let's just expand our awareness of how we can really drastically impact people by being a little careless of how we engage. So it brings me to this idea that when I was growing up, um, I remember there was things that were said. It's like, you should try not to see color or, you know, everyone's the same. We're all, we're all one family. We should, we should, you know, look beyond color. However, that conversation has really changed quite a bit in the past few years where people are like, well, no, you shouldn't see beyond color. You shouldn't see beyond culture because these, these are things that are very important to me and part of who I am and part of my experience. And if we kind of homogenize everyone and say like, oh, I don't see color that you're actually discounting the struggles and the challenges that people have had trying to find their space and their voice in North America, but also like the incredible strength that comes from difference and comes from different cultures and different, um, uh, different life experiences and the unique strengths that can be developed by people who live in marginalized groups. So what are your thoughts on that, that transition from like moving from like see beyond color, which sounds nice, but actually in practicality, <laughs> probably pretty terrible. 
Like, what are your thoughts on that transition from being in that space to more like really valuing and recognizing uh, the differences that people have? I think not seeing color should not be synonymous with not being able to understand someone's journey. The sentiment behind the phrase to me is simple. Treat everyone equally, regardless of the color of their skin, their background, race, sexual orientation, etc. And also for me, seeing color or someone's culture or background is important sometimes because it may give me an insight into the ups and downs they have gone through in their life and, um, and how it, it has shaped their thinking, which in turn allows me to create an authentic and meaningful connection and truly empathize with that person. And I think we could say like most people are multidimensional and in order to be able to understand different dimensions and different situations, we need to be able to tap into their background and their stories. Not being able to see color or different perspectives can have some pretty significant real life implications, both in social life and in the business world. Um, I mean, in our communities, how often do we see or hear people make negative assertions about a group of people? Um, and in most cases, that person has never spent an hour or a day inserting themselves in those communities. You know, if I were to look at the business world, uh, we operate in a global marketplace today. And um, companies have a growth agenda. And it can be difficult for companies to serve a diverse customer base when their own workforce doesn't reflect that diversity. And these are some real implications of the bottom line and, and, and can limit the organization's growth. You know, in the workplace, you can see the shift, right? Like diversity and inclusion training is like really um, increased. And I'd say it's increased in its potency as well. So, you know, I was just on a podcast um, earlier today where I was talking about mental health and how a lot of companies have talked to like kind of like big talk about mental health. and you know, me being in the role that I'm in as a consultant, I've often had companies be like, oh, yeah, our mental health program, not realizing that I'm a therapist. And so I'd be like, oh, great. What do you have? And then I'd ask maybe three questions and then I'd realize, oh, crap, like they they like the idea of having a mental health program, but they don't actually have any real like stuff there. And I've found it interesting that diversity and inclusion has been something that I think has not think has been talked about a lot and also a lot is kind of like a marketing position from companies for a long time mm -hmm. but it does seem that in recent years that there is some like actually like serious thoughtful engagement about how we can make that stuff happen in a meaningful way for companies so with that how do you believe organizations can can work with people to help and people from all different backgrounds because you had mentioned earlier it's like people from different sexual orientations or people from different ways of identifying themselves in terms of gender or any of these things how can we create a workplace that helps us move towards the idea as like difference is actually a strength and we want to celebrate difference in an appropriate way so that we can bring all of our efforts to bear in a fruitful way so for organizations that are serious about moving the needle on inclusion and diversity the first thing is to create a safe space for employees to feel that they can bring their whole self and their authentic self to work. Um, and they can discuss any challenges they may experience um, in the day-to-day -day work life. We often see diversity groups in organizations, for example, Women's Network, South Asian Network, etc. 
uh, which is a great start, but to take it a step further, one way these groups can be really impactful is when people represented in these groups have allies within the organization to advance their cause. And these allies are people who are influencers within the organization, executives, people in the position of authority, etc. I think the other thing is organizations, um, while they may do these things, do they measure the performance of what they're trying to achieve by, you know, institute, instituting these programs? So no different than how they would, they would measure their business revenues, costs. Are they measuring um, how many ethnic minorities have they included over the past five years in their workforce? Um, you know, is the uh, top brass still white male? Um, have they moved the needle on that, right? So I, I think maybe introducing those metrics uh, to show the world or to show your customers or whoever your audience is that we're actually really serious about it and we're actually moving a dial on it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll share a story, of course, without mentioning the company name. One of the most shocking things to me was I was in a meeting in Chicago one time and it was a senior level group of people. And one of the leaders, who also happened to be the only female leader in the room, did what I believe has been a barrier for work around diversity and inclusion a lot, where she presented all of this incredible work that her part of the business had been doing around diversity and inclusion, but actually was able to bring it down to a metric of how it's increased the ability of the business to drive revenue. It was really well done. Like Everything about it was thoughtful, how it was discussed the way the numbers were presented. I mean, even the slides looked good. Like everything about it was good. And I'll never forget the rest of the table, all white dudes staring at their phones, iPads, totally didn't care. And I could see that this is what happens. Not always, but often. It's like front-facing, like outward-facing company, like presenting all this, like, because again, a company that was really good at talking about all the work that they were doing. But when it came down to like the people who held the purse strings, like the people who were the decision makers, it was just the same old thing that's been happening for all of these years. And even this compelling conversation about how we can engage to increase diversity and inclusion and how it's actually good for the business was met by just whatever. Yeah. And then afterwards, I talked to the leader in the room and said, hey, man, that's really bad. What happened? And I, I encourage you to address that. Like, that's really serious. And the leader said, well, I just don't really believe in this like kumbaya stuff. Mm. And it blew my mind because these are people's lives. Like these are people's lives and, and the, the willingness of organizations to really say like, hey, let's, let's strip bare, you know, our, our illusions that we live in a society that's, that's equal and fair. Instead say that we actually have to be intentional in creating a path forward here that works for people, that is inclusive, that does create opportunities for people. And it was one of the biggest lessons I ever learned as a professional, that conversation, I, my, my chin was on the floor. So when we think about differences of strength, I think we have to consider that perhaps the people who, not all of them, but there are people in power who maybe they don't, it's not that they're against it, but they actually just may not care. Mm -hmm. And you know you you raise an interesting point, and that's a great example. Um, you will. I, I don't mean to paint a paint a picture that the corporate world is like that. I think there are some fantastic leaders out there, Absolutely. like that the woman that you mentioned. 
Um, there's some fantastic executives, you know, we work with some great clients and we've actually have moved the needle here. Um, I think the challenge is at a personal level, um, it is not an easy task. So you could assign $5 million or whatever budget, but at a personal level, it is incredibly difficult to recognize differences. And I think it starts from you being grounded in your own individuality and being proud of it. And um, I think once you sort of, for me, um, you know, I had to become confident in my own individuality and create space for that in order to create space for other people so that they could embrace their individuality and share with me. And that can sometimes take so much energy, mm -hmm. right? You're working on yourself. And then once you've worked on yourself and you're confident enough to open up to other people, then, you know, maybe somewhere there is a realization that, you know, I went through this experience. Maybe somebody else is also going through this experience. And given our world, you know, we're busy. We have business objectives. We have financial goals. Um, small conversations like these sometimes get missed and, and you have to be very intentional and conscious of approaching these subjects and you have to you have to make conscious effort to create these opportunities. Yeah, uh, beautifully said, man. So you mentioned work, work that you've had to do. What could you share with us that you're comfortable sharing with us about the kind of work that you've had to do that it's allowed you to really view the differences that you have and transition them into being strengths? So I, I think um, maybe I would take my profession as an example. And I would say as a consultant, probably no different than you, um, although different kind of consulting. Um, you're, you're often and almost always um, you know, faced with different points of views. There's always different opinions of issues. And in order to be a good consultant, I think you need to be able to look past the superficial differences and really be able to sort of connect with people. And I think from my own journey and for me to be a good consultant, it was super important for me to um, not only just understand why certain people viewed certain issues a different way, but what were sort of the motivations behind it? What were sort of the influencing factors? And for me, the last six to seven years has been that journey. I, you know, I, I worked in the industry and I decided to make a shift into consulting and and, and the reason I've stayed in that is because um, I have enjoyed how it has taught me to embrace the differences and how, how I should, you know, continue to be on that path and maybe teach other people, maybe, you know, new people coming into the firm to do the same. So to get to specifics, like if you really think like in terms of, because, you know, people are, all people are different in their different ways, you know, it's like a bazillion differences between people. But specific to you, what are differences that you've recognized in yourself that's just different that you've been able to transition into a strength? And I'm really interested in understanding, like, what's the process that you that you took there to start recognizing something that maybe before you were insecure about or you're worried about or maybe that you might have hid that you've actually taken it and looked to say, like, oh, no, this is a huge strength that can help myself and other people. So maybe I'll share a little bit about my journey. So, you know. Uh... I think going back to the example of sort of having come from a different country, um, I found myself uh, very different in the way I thought or my references, my cultural references would be very different. So people are talking um, and giving examples of American pop culture and, you know, 
I would be the only person in the room where nothing would stick with me. And it would be like somebody's talking Latin to me. You know? Or if I were to give examples, people would just look at me as like, who is this artist that you're talking about? Or which is this band that you're talking about? And I think uh, at that point, early on in marriage, I, I, I harped on those differences in a negative way in that um, I, I thought I didn't have enough to offer or mm. to add to the common pool of meaning. Mm. And that, um, I think, in a way, impacted the self-esteem to say, hey, I'm not fitting in this, mm. rather than um, you know, having the mental fortitude to say, hey, um, I have an experience that nobody else has. Right. And I could share an example that nobody else is sharing. Uh, but I think that took a while and it wasn't an organic and internal process for me. I think it took a few people, some great mentors um, to come along and say, hey, you know, have a little bit of faith in what you do, because when you are working or when you are doing things, whether, you know, it's a project, you you ask some great questions and I don't, we don't know where you come up with these questions, but these are just like some, such unique perspectives. And nobody in the company would ask a question like that. Uh, or, you know, if there's a final product, they would commend um, the results that I would drive for the organization. And I think um, I was lucky enough to have interface with some of these people who were able to recognize that there, were, there was a lot I had to offer, but I just had to build myself up so I could bring my full self to the job or to a conversation or to a friend circle. And uh, I think over time, that confidence built up. And um, there was also a time up until, I, th I think it's still an ongoing process. And even now, um, not too long ago, I, I sought out the help of a therapist mm -hmm. who, I, I, you know, I had this feeling that while I've been successful in my career, but there are still these inhibitions, these differences that I get hung up on that, you know, while I should be using them as strengths, I sometimes see them as um, negatives on my part. And maybe, you know, that's stopping me from achieving the fullest potential. And um, while, you know, it's nice there is somebody there who's giving you the space to grow and giving you the platform to, you know, embrace your differences and positively reinforcing you, that's not always going to be there. You're living in this world and sometimes you have to find that energy um, and and that confidence internally. So um, I did have to seek out somebody, you know, who would walk me through my mental process and break it down for me, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm really interested in is how much of this kind of sense, like, oh, we should all be kind of homogenous to each other. How much of this is self-directed for people who recognize they're different and they're afraid of being different um, versus external? So internal versus external, um, kind of reference to you should be homogenous. So I'll give you a bit of an example of me. Um, growing up, I just wanted to fit in so bad. Like, and, and I didn't want to have a different sounding name. I didn't want to be from a family that was perceived as being different. Um, you know, like I, I wanted to start going by my middle name, which is Patrick instead of a Ram, because I was just like so sick of people like making fun of my name, all of that stuff. And interestingly enough, you know, of course, I, I got into skateboarding and punk is kind of like trying to scramble and find something. But then even within skateboarding and punk, I was just obsessed with fitting in and, and being like, like these other people. 
And it was really through like fully recognizing this state of anxiety that I was in and deep rejection of who I, I was that I was unable to really like find my place. And tell you, like now I'm 46 and I started Cadence four years ago. It's only within the past few years that I've really like gotten comfortable in my own skin and really learned how to embrace myself. And a part of that was also, I'm not saying that people shouldn't wear suits, but like, I don't care how much I get paid. When I show up at a company, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, you know, or maybe jeans and a button up shirt. And Cadence, we position ourselves talking about like, basically I'm from the punk scene. We have tattoos. Being comfortable to do that has, it's really changed the game for me. And I've really become much, much more of myself. But that's after decades of like really pushing down all these different sides of who I am. And again, I'm a Caucasian male in North American society. So if I'm experiencing that simply because I grew up with an immigrant family and an exotic sounding name, um, and you know, with the concerns that happened in my family around, you know, mental health and those kinds of things, if I experience that, I can only imagine what people from different cultures or different ethnicities, people who are, have visible different skin color, like what they experience. And so from your perspective, and I really, I know you can only speak for yourself. How much of that was that internalized voice saying like demanding of yourself that you be homogenous versus how much outside messaging do you think you were getting about being like, you know, fit in, don't be different? It's a bit of both. I think for me, there was definitely fit in because if I do things the way other people did or looked how somebody else did, I would fit in. I would, my experience of this world would be grander and I would have more conversation. I would experience more things. Um, so I think there is a little bit of an external element that's telling you to fit in or change your name or change the way you dress or how you look. Um, but, but I believe sometimes it's, it's it's not ill ill intention. It's not there isn't even an, even an intention behind it. It's just as happening because the the society is constructed like that, and 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 and, and how people have grown up, and 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 they don't know um, how to be, you know, with a non Caucasian male, you know, growing up in Calgary. And mm-hmm. um, I think an example is. Um, I, I was working with a client and, um, uh, you know, often you, you're in situations where you're surviving the storm at the clients and you end up working quite closely. And, and, you know, as a consultant, your purpose is twofold. You're not only bringing the expertise, but you're also developing deep relationships with your clients so you could really empathize with them and understand what is really the crux of the matter that needs solving. And you end up working long hours and, 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 and sometimes, you know, you're meeting them for coffee or outside of the office. And, um, I was at a long-term project, long story short, long, I was in a long-term project and one of the client leads, you know, they would hold these socials, these team socials, and they, they decided not to invite me to those socials for the longest time because they thought that, I would find it inappropriate to see people drinking a glass of wine or having a drink. Mm. And on their part, that was sort of perceived conservatism about me. And while their intentions were probably good, they didn't want to offend me. They thought I was very religious, uh, but that inadvertently ended up, you know, leaving me out of this great bonding opportunity with their team. So that's probably an example of, you know, how somebody, the external environment influenced 
um, an action, but maybe it wasn't intentional or it wasn't sort of ill-conceived. Yeah. And what an incredible example. So again, you know, me being someone who's uh, been sober for, oh, I don't know, like 23 or 24 years. Yeah. I, I, I can relate. I can relate to that where people are like, oh, we just didn't want to offend you. It's like, I want to, yeah. I want to come. I like people. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah. to spend time. Yeah. I'm a fun guy. Yeah. I like to have fun, but maybe I'm not having fun by drinking, but I can still be with you. Totally, man. Yeah. So let, yeah. let's pivot a little bit because we've talked a bit about, and one of the things I loved, by the way, is like, you know, being in the corporate world, you'd mentioned like I, I was around mentors and leaders who really relished the, the different perspective that I brought and encouraged me and they helped fill up my cup with confidence that like, hey, you've got something you can add there. So one of the things I'm really hearing from you is that it's not just about becoming confident in yourself, because I think you can say that to anyone like get more confident. Like, what does that even mm-hmm. mean? But it is about like recognizing your differences, um, acknowledging them and, and trying to see how they could add value as much as it is around being around people that want that from you and that encourage that from you. So I think there's the good self-work, but it's also about finding the right leaders, the right mentors, the right teams, the right work environments that can help actualize that for you. Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely resonates. And I think having working at a big consulting firm, I think this is something that I, I love where you know, I'm often working with consultants who don't have, who have a very dissimilar or have a dissimilar academic background, mm-hmm. upbringing to me. Uh, and they bring such different perspectives that, you know, in a, in a lifetime, I sometimes I, I think about it and I was like, I wouldn't have thought of that. Why did this person think of that? And I'm, ta- I'm working with immunologists and doctors who are business consultants. And, you know, when we come together, we end up, we end up creating some out-of-box solutions, which we wouldn't if it was, you know, five industrial engineers, I'm me being an industrial engineer in a room, because we're all thinking the same way. We, we wouldn't come to, you know, creating these out-of-the-box solutions. So, I think in my case, the employer obviously has created that environment and we seek out diversity in thought, diversity in academic experience, diversity in professional experiences so that when you're going to client side, you know, you are able to bring some fresh ideas and you are able to challenge the status quo. Um, so, so I think, I think it is important to find those people who can um, you know, help you sort of embrace that, but also sort of help you nurture um, that uh, quality of embracing. I love that. All right, I want to pivot a bit and go back to the idea of organizations who are, you know, really in the mix and actually trying to make some strides towards helping people recognize differences of strengths and just making good work culture that is accessible to people, that is uh, inclusive and, and really creates opportunities for people to bring all who they are into the workplace. So if you're thinking of that, we know there's been this huge push within, you know, if you look on LinkedIn, it's like all these companies making all these big proclamations. And I get a little eye rolly about it because I, I definitely have seen some of the conversations in the background. But then there are lots of companies who are totally about it and about it in a great way. And they're making the real investment. So if you're thinking about companies and, and leaders, because we can also be thinking about individual leaders here who are interested, genuinely interested in helping their organizations embrace making the shift into being able to view difference as a strength, what are some recommendations that you'd have? So a couple of things come to mind. I think organizations can create opportunities for people to truly connect with each other. 
And I really think you have to go beyond the surface interactions, uh, whether that is um, through work groups or social events that allow people to connect with and understand people from different backgrounds. It um, creates a great foundation to be able to understand differences in the long run. Second, create diversification in leadership roles. I think when people, especially younger professionals, see leaders who represent their own backgrounds, it shows them that they can succeed no matter what. And lastly, we all have to remind ourselves to check our own biases. And I think it's even more important for leaders as they usually are gatekeepers of opportunities. Totally, man. 100%. All right. So back to you. Through your process, what's something about you that maybe you would have tried to hide before, but you've really come to like value as a deep strength? I think uh, definitely sort of the physical aspect of how I look different. Mm -hmm. I think a part of me um, that you know, at some point was like, maybe I shouldn't wear my turban to this event because I will look very different. I think um, I've sort of turned a corner where I'm just like, well, I will stand out. And if I have something important to say, and if I have um, some sort, some type of quality to offer, um, you know, amongst the crowd, um, I will be easily remembered just because I, you know, look different. Or, you know, if I have, and I think, an example comes to me was like, not to say there weren't other reasons that why I didn't remember you after our initial conversation in the rail yard, how many ever years ago, because I think the other thing that also sort of stuck out for me was, oh, this person is wearing this sharp suit, but he's like fully tattooed, mm -hmm. right? And he was so open about his journey of getting tattoos and why he has them and all that stuff. And that memory stuck out in my mind. And I was able to associate that to all the sort of great things that you had to share at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think uh, that physical aspect of me uh, is something that I'm, I'm so, so proud of. And it's, it's gotten me to, um, you know, having embraced that, it's gotten me to think more empathetically about other people and, mm. you know, in, in, on this journey, maybe you know, they're just starting out their, part of their career, especially sort of the, the younger crew. All right. So I, I really appreciate that. So as we're closing off, I got three questions for you. And one of them is just a fun question. Mm -hmm. All right. Question number one is, you know, what kind of parting messages would you have to say for any listeners who are really, they're, they're in their shell and they're afraid to really show who they are and, and maybe they feel they'll be judged or that their differences aren't valued? Any advice that you'd give for someone who's listening here and just being like, God, like, you know, I want to view these differences as strengths, but maybe I'm afraid of how people react or maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm really insecure about it. Anything that you'd add in there? I would, I would say maybe teach yourself compassion and to be compassionate towards yourself, right? So stop doubting yourself um, and whichever way that comes about um, everyone can take a different path but just be like saying that be confident is very easy but it's hard to do but just be compassionate towards yourself and be curious to learn more about yourself so if you find yourself being different uh, figure out um, do you agree with your own sort of differences and how does that just just learn a lot about yourself and I think um, that's probably the first step to 
becoming, you know, lethal and being, you know, being out there in full force. I think somebody, somebody mentioned this to me the other day is like passion doesn't come without compassion. And that sort of stuck with me is that you have to be compassionate first, um, not just to yourself, but also to people outside in order to let your passions shine. Right. So I think that's probably one message if I, if I could leave somebody with that, that, that might be the one message. Uh, man, I love that. I, you know, listen, speak and act with compassion is something that I'm, I'm very fond of saying, but the compassion's also got to be towards yourself. And I really believe as a society, no matter what our differences are, you know, giving yourself mercy, like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to fit in. You can screw up. You can say something stupid. You can make an error. You can look different. You cannot be, uh, have the, the, you know, the body type that you see on TV, or you can look different and not have like, you know, like that, that kind of haircut that all men have right now, or, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, give yourself some mercy. And that's something that I, I, cause when you give yourself mercy and you can be in that compassionate space with yourself, it allows you to give others mercy for their, uh, shortfalls or, or perceived short shortcomings. Um, it can be, you can give people mercy for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time or doing the wrong thing or um, any of those things. And so mercy for ourselves and others, I think is like one of the, the most important things. Yeah. Anything on that point before I go to the next question? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just like add something more tactical to it that I, I sort of learned a little later was, you know, in other words, that compassion can also be deep listening, right? So we often listen, but nothing sticks because we were never really deeply listening to somebody, mm-hmm. right? And sort of deeply listen to your inner voice, but also deeply listen to um, people around you or people who are, you know, your your champions or your cheerleaders um, or or other people who are sort of different from you because I think through that deep listening is sometimes these nuggets that come up where you may find some words of wisdom that that may just stay with you for the rest of your life and that may provide uh, leaps of growth. Mm, excellent. Yeah, it's, that's strong, very strong. All right, here's a fun question. What are three cultural references from where you grew up that you think are super cool and you believe that someone in North America should check out? Mm. Could be music, could be movies, could be anything. Okay, so you have to check out Bhangra. It's a dance and I guess music. It's spelled B-H-A-N-G-R-A. If you haven't experienced the music and dance, I highly recommend you check it out. It's super energetic Punjabi music with probably one of the most lively dances you have ever seen. And it's guaranteed to bring a huge smile to your face. At least that's the effect uh, Bhangra has on me. (laughs) Okay, so another cool thing to check out would be Sachin, A Billion Dreams. It's a documentary on Netflix about this cricketer, um, cricketer as in the sport of cricket, Mm -hmm. who was considered a god in India when I was growing up. Uh, I remember when it was his turn to bat, everyone would just drop everything and run to watch the TV. Um, It wasn't uncommon seeing a crowd of people just huddled outside of a shop (laughs) with a TV, just watching this guy play. Um, another cultural phenomenon. I love that, man. All right. Gives one more. Maybe I'll pick another movie. Um, So this one's called Gully Boy, G-U-L-L-Y, which means uh, back road or or an alley. It's based on a true story about this kid growing up in the slums of Mumbai. 
who just really connects with rap music. Um, he doesn't speak the language, but just really finds the music very uplifting. And he develops his own take on it in a different language and style. Um, it's a super cool movie and I highly recommend it, especially for someone who's never experienced rap um, in a different language. Oh, I love it, man. Thank you. All right, last question. Uh, as we're closing off, this has been uh, an incredible conversation. Uh, you continue to inspire me. You're just a, a wonderful person, incredible professional. I think you've had just such a fantastic journey, and I know you're going to continue to do just incredible things. Any final words for you uh, about anything? It could be about this topic, anything that you want to leave us with as we're wrapping up. Uh, no, I just want to say thank you for being a source of strength and uh, um, a source of inspiration to me. I think um, I remember being uh, another like my first job out of school and I'm meeting you where I'm with a bunch of, you know, 40, 50 year olds with like years of experience in the railroad. And I was sort of a timid, not so sure about myself. Uh, young one and I think you kind of sort of took me aside and boosted my sort of confidence so um, I think those experiences that have sort of stayed with me even though I haven't spoken to you in years but that memory has sort of stuck with me and I sort of take my RAM with me every time I go to a board meeting or a meeting to you know give me that jolt of confidence so uh, I think that thank you for that yeah. and thank you for you. Oh, heck yeah thanks so much man. And there's, if there's anything I'd leave with people on that, um, it's my privilege to be able to walk along people's career path with them. And I got to say, belief in you starts with belief in you. You have to believe in yourself. And I know it's tough. You know, we've got all sorts of things. It could be the way we were raised. It could be moving from one culture to another. It could be something that we feel awkward about ourselves around the way we sound, or the way we look. It could be about what religion we practice or what we were raised in. It could be anything. Most people have things that they feel embarrassed about or worried about or scared about and they hide them. And the thing that I got to ask people to do is that deep and intense commitment to really believing in yourself. You have to start believing in yourself so that other people can truly understand the value that you bring. The value you bring every day, whether it be to your family, to your friends, to your community, or to your workplace, all of that, the wellspring is within you and your own self-belief. Today was a great example of someone who has cultivated that in himself, and by doing that, has cultivated that in others and really made a big impact. So thank you, Puneet, and everyone, we'll see you in the outro. Dave, drop the beat. You know, once in a while, I'll have a conversation that lights me up so much that at the end of it, I actually feel like I've personally grown. And this is a perfect example of that. You know, so many things Puneet discussed with us really like resonated with me. And of course, we have different experiences, but I think that idea of just feeling like different and that that difference is somehow wrong. But then being able to turn that around and find your place in that and actually start feeling good about those differences, that's just such an incredible thing to hear someone talk about and also to reflect back to yourself. And I'm not just talking about people who come from different cultures or who have an exotic name or have differences in their race or their religion or their gender or their sexual identity. I'm saying that people maybe who just also feel like an outsider, maybe they feel alone, maybe they feel isolated. 
what I got to ask you is really listen to what Puneet had to say here. There's this like base level of humanity that it's okay to be different, but that okayness starts with us. I know that sounds a little trite, like, hey, be okay with yourself, but really it's sage advice. You don't find peace outside until you find peace within. So I encourage everyone, if you're on a deserted island, but you're surrounded by people, if you're alone in a crowd, this is the time to start the journey to really accepting yourself so that you can accept others and your place within our larger society. So with that, everybody, take care of yourself, take care of others, take care of the community, listen, speak, and act with compassion. And we'll see you next time on One Step Beyond. One Step One Step